Welcome in, everybody, to the latest edition of the Landry Football Podcast. I am Chris Landry as we uh, take a look at the world of football as we do each and uh, every show, some aspects of football. And want to talk a little bit about, I hadn't had a chance to weigh in on Alabama's uh, coaching search. We've uh, discussed the uh, career of Nick Saban and Bill Belichick. Has that all uh, happened with uh, them as well as Pete Carroll within well, under a 24-hour period with all three, we discussed that. But I wanted to talk a little bit about the Alabama search, uh, what happened with it, when did it start, uh, and answer a question that a lot of Alabama fans uh, who were pining for one Lane Kiffin, why he was never under consideration for the Alabama job. A reminder, you can get more detailed breakdowns of the game of football, college football, NFL at LandryFootball.com. By heading on over to LandryFootball.com, take advantage of the holiday savings special that we've got at LandryFootball.com that we still keep on board for you. It is not only the best analysis, but inside information on everything's, everything like coaching searches, transfer portal, recruiting, free agency, the draft. That's right. College football, NFL, one-stop shopping football, LandryFootball.com. Check it out today. Um, if you like football, you're going to love LandryFootball.com. Folks, you can try it out for a month. It's less than $10 a month. If you try it for six months, it is cheaper than that. Cheaper still if you take advantage of the holiday savings special, the 12-month package that we have. Also, a reminder to subscribe, like, and share the Landry Football Podcast Network on Apple, on Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. So I've been asked a bunch is how surprised were you that Nick Saban retired. And the answer was, I, I knew it was coming at some point. I, I wasn't 100% convinced that uh, it wasn't going to come at the end of last year or um, at the end of next year. I knew we were close. It's common sense. I think everyone knew it was close. Um, there were strong feelings that were a little bit different. Um, sometimes you can overreact to it. But then in retrospect, you look and see, okay, those were telltale signs that, you know, I just basically didn't put a whole lot of attention to it. But here's what it really came down to, why Nick Saban retired. And, and I'll get into the when this happened. It is never just about a, you know, you hear that it came down that he literally made the decision uh, five minutes before a meeting. Well, that's not exactly true. The decision was made before that. The process of going through with it, that took some extra nerve, took some extra um, thought. And until you do it, it, you're a little bit nervous, even Nick Saban, about doing it. Because I think once you step over that threshold, it's no coming back. I mean, technically, you can come back, I know, but he wasn't coming back. I think the biggest thing with Nick is knowing how it would affect his staff and not just the coaching staff. It's the support staff. It's Linda Leone, his secretary. It's all the people inside the operation, which they are plenty. You don't know about their futures now and their family's futures. That's a big burden to bear. And it's something that, Look, it's the reason why Bear Bryant didn't retire two years before. I mean, he died He he died 26 days after he retired. But he stayed there because of all the people that were affected. 
by him being a coach there. That would likely be gone, many of them, if um, he retired. And so there it came. When did it really start to happen? Well, there's a few things. They're big picture things, and we'll get into that. Big picture is the college football landscape had a tremendous impact. I know what he said in an interview. It's not NIL that he disliked. The idea of players getting paid money is not a problem with him, and it's something he can navigate. What he can't navigate as structured and organized as he is, is the complete disorganization that is college football in today's landscape. You can transfer, you've got, you know, inducements through NIL. It's, you know, it's things that really are outside of his control. He is a thumbs on it, controlling type of personality. And it became a business where controlling the environment was never less possible. Just not something that's going to happen in today's world because the player has the threat, the right to go and transfer. And, of course, the fans, in this case the Alabama fans, well, you want to, you should honor to play for the old tie. Well, players don't see it that way today. Players see it as an opportunity to make the most of the current system, and that's money financially. Um, you know, if you're looking at when Nick Saban developed his program, it was in a different era. And once he established the dominant program that he had, there was a little bit of the what I call the Saban discount. Players would come in. They knew they would get all the benefits that everyone else could provide. Maybe not the most NIL money, but in today's world, but still good money. Yet you're going to be developed by the best that's ever done it. You're going to compete for championships and going to be prepared better for the NFL than anybody has done. And there's a, a lot of control that went with that. It became difficult. In today's world, if a player is a backup at a program like Alabama, the likelihood is that they're going to leave. And what that does, it creates a lack of depth on your roster. Think about it. Do you think you'd ever see a day where Alabama, who couldn't have a center snap the ball correctly all year long, did not have anybody that they could put in there? The answer was they couldn't. The answer was they didn't. That's well, where all those guys go. They've transferred out of the program. So it, it's going to even things out to some degree. Now, it's still going to be about depth once you get into the playoffs. Who can go through the playoffs with the most depth? It's going to be like the NFL playoffs. It's who's healthy. Look, I don't think the Miami Dolphins were built to go deep. But once you start losing 25 pass rush sacks off your defense, you ain't going to replace them with guys that can give you the same type of juice come playoff time. And not only, I mean, I don't think it had the effect, just the effect in the game against Kansas City, but it had the effect 
towards the stretch where they couldn't hold on and win a number two seed as opposed to having to go on the road. It's going to be that way in college football. Now, does it mean like the big-time programs are not going to be as capable? Not necessarily, because I think it's going to be about depth. Can you build a roster that has quality depth? Can you play multiple guys? Can you keep multiple guys engaged so that you can have a little bit more uh, what I call transferability or transfer capabilities? Um, let me let me rephrase that because transfer gives a different note. More flexibility on your roster where you play multiple guys so that when a guy goes down with an injury, you can have options, better options than just somebody that has very little snaps, that has very little experience and very little capabilities. You're going to have to have that because once you make the playoffs, you're going to have to win three or four games, which is going to make your depth even more necessary. But it certainly doesn't mean that a lesser program is going to have more depth. It is not unless you prepare it that way. I mean, I think that you have to have quality guys. Having depth at corner and receiver are one thing. Having guys on the offensive line, having a quarterback that can step in, those are much more challenging situations. It's, in essence, more difficult. Look, it sounds blasphemous to say this, but it's like the program at, at Alabama hasn't been national championship level in a few years. Oh, I know they made the playoffs this year. But they were a team that looked like they achieved their highest capabilities by making the playoffs rather than one that made the playoffs and, boy, they just they just ran into a buzzsaw. Look, they were fortunate to get there. They were not the best team in the SEC, and they were not one of the four best teams in the country this year. They were coached up to be that. They were not one of the four most talented teams. I think they were one of the four deserving teams to make the playoffs, but I think they were coached up to that. I think he maximized it, and I think he realized – couple of things. It's not that the challenge scared him away. It is an exhausting world that college coaches are living in right now. You have to constantly recruit your own players to keep them from going somewhere else, not transferring to prevent what I just talked about happening. That's what exhausted him. It exhausted him the recruiting he loved. He often told me, I'm not the best coach in the country. I'm the best recruiter in the country. It's becoming more and more difficult to sell the values that he believes in and he's lived through and he lives for versus today's athlete that are looking for different things for the most part. Yeah, today's players still want to compete and win championships, but they want the best financial deal. It is no different than what an NFL player does through free agency. I know I've lived through that and still do. Players want to go where they can play and have an impact in the NFL I'm talking about and get the money. That's what players in college want to do as well. That grew tiresome with him. And to the point that he was more worn out than ever before, due to the fact that all of this is happening, while he happens to be 72 and not 62. All of that created an issue. I can tell you that he and Greg Byrne, the athletic director at Alabama,
had discussions. And no, it didn't come down like this in October. He told Greg, look, I'm done at the end of the year. You, you, you know, that's not how it played out. But what it did play out is conversations, um, getting Greg ready that, look, this could be it at the end of the year was definitely something that was taking place. So I can tell you that Greg Byrne in the fall began to understand where this was going. It was also something that Jimmy Sexton, Nick Saban's agent, knew about. So that's where this all started. So as soon as October, unbeknownst to anybody, and certainly nothing that they're going to talk about publicly, is Greg Byrne began working through, and obviously involving Jimmy Sexton, since both of these candidates are his clients, began looking what direction he wanted to go if Nick was going to hang it out. And if he didn't, then, of course, the work that you do is not a waste. It's it's going to only prepare you more for when you're going to have to make it soon. So they were on top of it. And they had the list of guys, and he had his list of guys, and he worked through it, and he was prepared. Now, he couldn't talk with them, and they couldn't share it with anybody. They didn't discuss level of interest, meaning they didn't contact any of these folks. They didn't begin to talk, because when you do that, that's when it really comes out. But there was enough evaluation behind the scenes to make sure this is the direction we want to go. Are these are the two or three or four or five, however many on your list, they wanted to vet through that they wanted to seriously vet. So this process went very quickly because there was preparation. It did not, hey, Greg Byrne found out when everybody else did and in 48 hours had his guy. Trust me, if you are hiring a coach in 48 hours without having vetted all the possible options, you're not doing your job correctly. You better have done the vetting and done the studying, done the analyzing long before that. And he did. This moved quickly. Uh, I'm going to get into this in another podcast and explaining how this insider stuff works. But when you hear names like Mike Norvell, when you hear that Mike Norvell is re-upped at Florida State, and Caitlin DeBoer is hired 24 hours later, you you know this. Let me give you the tip, okay, because I've been through many of these searches and how this stuff works. Mike Norvell wasn't going to get the job. It was obviously Jimmy Sexton knows that because he knows who was going to get the job. Therefore, it's his job, Jimmy Sexton, to get his other client, Mike Norvell, who's not going to get the job, re-upped at Florida State, and he did that. Mike Norvell would be at Alabama today if that's who Alabama wanted, pure and simple. Now, Steve Sarkeesian, I believe, was a different story. I believe that he was more of a 1-1-A with DeBoer and would have been someone that they would have liked. Whether they liked him more than DeBoer or as much, or DeBoer a little bit more, I think that's debatable. But that was one of those conversations that took place is we love these guys. These two guys are on the top line, and DeBoer and Sarkeesian. 
Sarkeesian's not going to leave. Why? The Texas situation in some ways is better than Alabama. Uh, And he's got a lot of equity built into what he's done there. And he doesn't have to follow Sabrin then. He can go and, you know, there's time for his career to develop even further if that's where he wants to go outside of Texas. He's in a definite destination job, whereas Mike Norvell wasn't. Florida State is a destination job for some, but it is situation where they're going to end up in a big-time conference or whether they stay in the ACC. Look, he's getting paid big-time money, and that's the job of Jimmy Sexton to do for his agent. And he did it, and he did it well. To make the most of where you are because he wasn't going to get the Alabama job. One guy that was not on the list that Alabama fans thought would be on the list was Lane Kiffin. He was never under consideration. He, in fact, he wasn't even part of the rumor process. Remember, the same agent, Jimmy Sexton, represents Lane Kiffin. So, you know, just understand all of that. Nick Saban was not going to pick this head coach. But Nick Saban was going to be um, tapped into in terms of his thoughts about who did a good job. Nick Saban had studied the Washington program when he wanted to hire Ryan Grubb as offense coordinator last year before he ended up hiring Tommy Reese. He was very high on Kalen DeBoer. That is the reason why the higher-ups at Alabama, including Greg Byrne, were also high on Kalen DeBoer because Nick was. Nick has been high on him for a while. Therefore, Greg Burnett. Greg's not a football guy. He's an administrator, and he's going to take, you know, uh, the thoughts of a great football guy as to who's really best option. There's some people in some school of thought that think that Lane Kiffin is more fit for SEC recruiting, the down and dirty, getting the top guy. And he is, probably. But Lane Kiffin is not who Nick Saban wanted. No, Nick Saban wasn't going to name this coach. But there is no way in hell Alabama was going to hire someone that Nick Saban didn't agree to. In other words, they're not going to go to him for approval, but they're going to run it by him. And he's not going to say yay or nay, but he's going to speak with effusive praise on a Kalen DeBoer or a Steve Sarkeesian. When it comes to Lane Kiffin, he's not going to say, hell no, you can't bring that so-and-so there. No, no, no. It's just he's going to tell them, well, quite frankly, he's already told them, reiterate the story of what happened the year that Lane Kiffin basically bailed out on the coaching staff at Alabama and Nick Saban, and the players that he was coaching on offense as the offense coordinator while they were preparing for a national championship. Yeah, Lane had missed meetings, not one meeting, multiple meetings, while out real estate house shopping as he had taken the Florida Atlantic job while they're preparing for a national championship game. Well, Trust me, the powers that these are the decision makers, including the athletic director, Greg Burke, were well, well aware, of it, aware of that. So they did not have a high opinion of Lane Kiffin. 
Okay, the fact that he has done a good job at Ole Miss, it's not like he's come in and, you know, throttled Nick Saban in Alabama, even though that is not likely to be done by an Ole Miss versus uh, Ole Miss program. Uh, that's I think he's done a great job there. But there's no way at this stage that Nick Saban would have been supportive or been around to support Lane Kiffin as the head coach. I can tell you that. There's no way he's sitting at Lane Kiffin's press conference or being a mentor, if that's what he's going to be, to Kalen DeBoer. No way he's doing that to Lane Kiffin. That relationship, while mended, Nick Saban will hold a grudge better than anybody I've known in 45 years in the football business. He'll never forget that. Oh, he'll forgive it and he'll move on, but he won't forget it. And that guy is not going to replace him. The administration knows that. And it was never going to, never even a consideration. Now, listen, five years from now, 10 years from now, if Lane Kiffin goes on, maybe gets a bigger job, and wants the Alabama job down the road and Nick, Nick, Nick Saban is, you know, completely, you know, away from the program and no longer kind of around uh, and, and Greg Burns are not around. And the, the people that feel this way about Lane Kiffin through Nick Saban, they're no longer there. Maybe down the road, it could happen. The fact that Lane Kiffin, quote unquote, has matured. Yeah, there's signs that he's matured. There are other signs that he hasn't. Could you imagine Lane Kiffin being the head coach at Alabama and tweeting out things like, hey, guys, don't say that. That's rat poison. Basically putting his digs in to the deity that is Nick Saban, that ain't going to happen. Now, you know, down the road, it becomes, you know, it's kind of like, you know, bear buying's great, but no one is around going to take shots, you know, should they at, what Bear Bryant did or didn't do. You know, again, five, ten years from now, look, it's when Ray Perkins took over for Bear Bryant, he was one of Bear Bryant's guys. He did everything. He tore everything down the way it was done, and people hated that. And he didn't have success and was run out. And they went through a number of guys, and they, they lived in the Bear Bryant age. I think there's going to be a period, maybe not as long as it was for Bear Bryant, but there'll be a period that people are going to long for the Nick Saban days. And if there's a dramatic change or if there's anything to sully the success of Nick Saban, it was not going to be tolerated. And let me just tell you from Lane Kiffin, who I know very, very well also. He's appreciative of Nick Saban helping him mature and get better. But there's a part of Lane Kiffin that still remembers the, the negative things that happened. He, Lane Kiffin thought that he could skip meetings and have a F you to Nick Saban because he no longer answered to him because he had taken the FAU job. And he thought he could do that and do whatever he wanted and still be able to call plays. That's how Lane Kiffin thought.
And I think part of them thinks that, you know, Nick Saban did him wrong. That's the way he sees it. And there would there's nothing more than he'd love to be able to beat Alabama, and and, and that's going to be the case going forward. There's, the, 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 there's a reason why he coaches very tight in that game. He wants that game so bad because he wants to prove it. Well, he's going to want to prove that he should have been the guy because that's the job that he clearly wanted, and he never had a shot at. And look, Jimmy Sexton's not going to tell him that he doesn't have a shot at the job because he doesn't want to lose him as a client. He's a good client. But Jimmy is in a position to know there's no way they would consider that guy. And then there's got to be, look, Lane, I don't know what they want to do. I mean, he's he's going to downplay that to protect the relationship he has with his client. So the people that wanted Lane Kiffin, and they should – it was never going to happen, not as long as he was replacing Nick Saban. That was never a consideration. I won't say it will never be down the road. Again, somebody other than Greg Byrne is the athletic director. Maybe somebody, you know, other folks in the upper administration of Alabama that become more and more detached from the Nick Saban era. I will say this, that – Lane Kiffin becomes head coach at Alabama. It'll have to be when Nick Saban is totally kind of away from the program because you're not going to see that support for Lane Kiffin that you would have seen for someone else. Um, That is the reality. There's underlying things that take place in any coaching search and their personalities that are involved. I've known Nick for a long time. People who've listened to this podcast and, in other platforms, no, me going back with him a long way, even before our time together on Bill Belichick's staff in Cleveland, that this was not going to be the direction that he wanted. Now, if somebody had said, well, that's it, you know, look, it's not just they're holding a grudge and they're keeping what some people are the best candidate to replace them. They don't look at Lane Kiffin as someone they want to represent their program. Um, They look at him as still, although maturing, they still see him as immature. They don't want the Alabama football coach to be tweeting and gaining attention. It's one thing to be tweeting left and right at Ole Miss. Ole Miss is a place that needs publicity. Ole Miss is a place that needs to be noticed because nobody notices them. And Alabama you better be prim and proper. You better do things a certain way. You better conduct yourself a certain way. You better say the right things. You better do the right things. Okay? You better not be on Twitter. They don't see that or like that. Now, future administrations, as I said, maybe they'll change. And if Lane Kiffin goes on to have immeasurable success and he wants a job down the road, maybe somebody else will hire him. Maybe somebody else will be a part of this. But it wasn't going to happen this time. Hey, uh, a reminder, you can get more details and inside information like this, um, as well as things going behind the scenes in the NFL at LandryFootball.com. Check it out today. Take advantage of our holiday savings special that we've got going on. Also, a reminder um, to check out 
the Landry Football Podcast, which you're listening to right now. But subscribe, like, and share the Landry Football Podcast Network on Apple, on Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. That way you don't miss any of our content. Appreciate you joining us. Talk to you again next time, everybody.